Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi everyone, it's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Morenita, a deep dive into the Latinx experience. With Morenita, we want to create a community and a shared space with you while sharing knowledge and inspiration. This show is about celebrating our culture with guests who exemplify the best of us. I'm Darlene Castillo. Y te invito. Our guest today is a very dear friend of mine, my sister, mi hermana ex Mayo. She is an LA native, Black Chicana. She's an Emmy nominated writer for The Daily Show. She's about to bring joy and laughter into your homes on your TV screens in an NBC series called American Auto. And she is the CEO of Who Made the Potato Salad, which is an incredible sketch comedy show that is made by and only stars Black people and people of color. That's why we have her here, Ex Mayo. Hello! Yes! It's a very good intro. Okay, someone went to my website. Hello. We had to get it right. We had to get it right. Yes! <laughs> Listen, ex Mayo and I have been friends for, gosh, how long now? Four or five years? Seven days. <laughs> I don't know her. She attacked me on the street and was like, do my podcast. I was like, well, you got a gun. So, okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I've been knowing uh, Daryl in, uh, I would say, four years now. Yeah. Yeah. It feels, it feels like a lifetime, though. Oh, it does. I met her the winter of uh, 2017 going into 2018. This bitch had on fucking uh, I don't, a crop top. It was like literally four inches of snow in New York. And this bitch had on fucking like um, these little like suede boots, a top bun and hoops and like a little puffy coat. And I was just like, um, who the fuck do you think you are? It's cold. And then we became friends and we're like inseparable after that. We were reading a pilot mm -hmm. and um, I did it last minute and I, I was out the night before. So I, I came straight from the diner of eating breakfast 
and into the room. But there's no excuse that there was four inches of snow, Darylin, and you were still at, you you looked like you were just like, oh, I'm in LA. Like, it's just, it's just, and then I found out like New Yorkers who are from New York, they're like, yes, whatever. And I'm sitting here, I look like I am auditioning to be an Eskimo. I had on so many layers and so many things. You had the biggest coat on. I literally was like, it's not even that cold out. And it was so cold. I was like, this bitch, she's crazy. So we must be friends. No, what it really was, was you were killing that scene. We were both in there. We were both acting. Very kind. I was doing very bad. She was great. I don't know what I, it was. We had like a mutual like associate in there that, commissioned us both to work on it. So that's why I did it. And I think I was getting a lot of love because she just fucks with me. But I, I believe I was doing very bad. But Darlene, you're very kind. So I think for anybody, when, whether it's West Coast, East Coast, when you're an artist and making that transition, what was that that propelled you coming from the West Coast to the East Coast? What was it that made you be like, okay, New York? I've always wanted to come to New York ever since I was a kid, like doing theater. Um, New York has always been like the dream. I came to New York fresh out of high school to audition for Alvin Ailey's Summer Intensive because I was a dancer first. And she did not book. Well, had no business there, but I didn't give a fuck. I believed in me and I was just like, oh, no. I'm going to fucking do it. I'm going to try. And I've always had that type of energy that I'm just going to go for it. They could tell me no, but I'm not going to tell me no, right? I'm not going to block my own blessings. Mm -hmm. So um, at that point, I had quit acting and um, I was just doing makeup and doing film and background work. So I came to New York to originally do makeup and that ended up not working out. And I was there after being there for a week. I came there to work fashion week. I ended up dressing the models, like hit up all my connects. Like I still have to go, even though my makeup gig fell through. And just being immersed in it, like really summertime in New York is magical. If if you live there, you know, if you've never been, you will find out. And I just fell in love with the city. And I literally was there for seven days and started looking for a place to stay. And the other girls who I was working with to dress the models were like, are you fucking insane? I was like, no. They were like, well, what money do you, you know, it's expensive. I was like, I don't have no money, but mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it. And um, that was uh, Labor Day weekend of 2013. And then I was there for eight years. I just moved back in March of this year. And um, coming come to New York, especially as a Black Sicana, how is the cultural difference for you? Because that's always something that's interesting to me, like me being Dominican and people coming to New York, they're like, wow, I never even knew what Dominicans were and what Puerto Ricans were and like this energy. So like, how was that coming from the West Coast? You know, that's more of like what what people think, you know, of when they think of L.A. or whatnot. How was that difference culturally for you when you came out here? Yeah, um, it was a culture shock because being black and Mexican, everyone thought I was Dominican. Um, and it was just, I thought you were Dominican when I first saw you. I was like, okay, sis, Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Um, so that was wild to me. I was like, nah, Mexican, you know, for us is very normal out here. I mean, all my tias have black husbands or black baby daddies and same with my uncles. Like some people, I mean, Kendrick Lamar's wife, I believe is she's Latina or Mexican. That's just really just what it is out here. So going to New York and then seeing like Dominicans, the Spanish, I'm like, I don't, I guess I don't speak Spanish. Uh, I, it was so <laughs> fucking fast. And I was just like, what the fuck? 
Also, um, I didn't recognize how Mexicans, how looked down we are, looked upon from Dominicans and Puerto Ricans, um, because mm. there's been multiple instances where I've told Dominicans or Puerto Ricans that I'm Mexican, and they're like, Mexican? Like, what? Ugh. People mm. have literally said, ugh. And one Uber driver, uh, I would never do this now because I'm far more mature, but I was arguing with him. He was literally trying to tell me that I'm Dominican, like as if I was ashamed. He was just like, no, you're not Mexican. So I didn't know, you know, especially having so much pride in being who I am. Um, and, you know, as far as being like in L.A., Mexicans, Salvadorians, Guatemalans, Panamanians, you know, it's never been... Like that. So that was interesting mm-hmm. for me. And that was a culture shift in recognizing like, oh, how we are viewed in other parts of America um, is mm-hmm. not on the same scale. Like there is a divide within the Latin community. Yeah. I mean, I can even say I had Dominicans tell me I'm not Dominican, <laughs> like literally fight with me. And I'm out here talking Spanish and I'm, they're like, you're not Dominican. Nah, you're not. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. It's like, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry. You don't feel that way. But like, it is what it is. Yeah. What my mama <laughs> said and what my mama is. Like, well, I don't. Okay. Fine. Don't make me call my mama. Period. <laughs> yeah. Um, something that I want to touch base on and I think listeners are going to be excited um, to hear about is who made the potato salad. Yes. I have to tell you guys, when X invited me to be a part of one of the sketch comedy shows, first off, I'm I'm a Broadway actress. I do drama. You know, I never, ever considered myself being funny. I was like, I'm not funny, X. I, you have the wrong person. But thank you. Thank you so much. And she was like, nah, you know, you're funny. You're going to be in it. Here's the date. I'll see you then. It was especially what I was going through personally during that time. It was the most healing, most beautiful process to be a part of, especially as a woman of color, as an Afro-Latina, and being surrounded by all these incredible artists of color. I just want to hear you talk about it more because um, I want people to understand how special it is. Yeah, I think um, Who Made the Potato Salad is my baby. I I put my blood, sweat, and tears in it. I need to not ever make a dime from it. I'm going to do it to the day I die. I do it for um, the love that I have for people and community and that I um, have been given a purpose in this world. And one of those is to continuously lift as I climb because God gives me access into these um, bigger spaces to have more access to power and to people. And my job Mm -hmm. is to directly pour that back into my community. So on every level, I make sure to reach as I climb. And with Who Made the Potato Salad, I just really wanted what I envisioned. And I have a problem that whenever I see something in my brain, it has to come to fruition. And I, um, as a producer, you know, I look for holes. I look for the holes that need to be filled within the industry. And for me, that's black and brown people. So I, um, you know, started the show in 2017 and I was just like, this is what I want. I want it to feel like a big ass party. I want it basically, I want a cookout to happen at a comedy show. And, um, and that's what it is. There's liquor, there's food, there's a DJ and, um, on every level, when I had didn't have a fucking dime and was calling every favor I could, we made magic. And I honestly, like, 
We're going to go to bigger stages. We will be at Madison Square Garden. We will be touring. We will be on your TV screens. But there will be nothing like the energy and the community that we felt when we when we were just starting out at the tank in that 100-seat theater, the amount of like passion and genius work that came out of that is unmatched. Yeah, and I have to say, um, you know, being a New Yorker, we go to these comedy shows, you know, we go yeah. to these these little thingy things and whatever, whatever. And I will tell you right now, my mom came to that. Oh, she did. She came to that. And she, at the end, I mean, she was like, I had the best time. I have never experienced anything like this in New York. And my mom has been around going to shows and comedy shows and doing her thing. And she was young, her little hot thing, walking around her little yeah. skirt. <laughs> um, she was so floored by the energy. And she was like, I could tell X is from L.A. Like, this was giving me very, like, L.A. vibes. Yeah. But, like, just something that we don't experience out here. So that's something that I remember while being a part of it. I was also enamored with that feeling because I was like, oh, this hit different. This is, this is, hold on. <laughs> yeah, that show too, that was the Women of Color Takeover. Our token mm. whites that night were very good. Our token whites were like, play the fucking song. They, those bitches got, they said, let's get zown. I'm not playing with you. And they wasn't playing. They didn't get kicked out of the cookout. They were great. And we also had the R&B lip sync battle. That was like a packed show oh my god because it was the yeah. men yeah and they i remember came seeing through. footage shirts off they had props they brought bitches on stage and then i called out uh my homeboy Gerard, who didn't uh who told me he was gonna be able to do it then popped his ass up there and i called his ass out and he like did an impromptu uh like stripper <laughs> dance it was like it was crazy anything can go down and who made the potato salad period and I love it because it's inclusive. Like everyone in there, no matter what race you are, no mm -hmm. matter where you come from, you feel like you are, oh, yeah. that you were invited, that you were on the list. That's an experience that I, I've never experienced, you know, in theater, in a concert, in any kind of format. So, um, yeah, we're like Olive Garden. When you hear your family, <laughs> don't, I can't, I don't know if we have the clearance for that in this podcast, but. Endless breadsticks, yes. endless salad. Yes. Listen, we even throw in endless, endless drinks, okay? Here, oh, we, well, we don't have the budget for that, for potato salad. We don't have that yet, darling. But we're, we're praying and believing God that some white white woman um, would, just, would just give me just $100,000. And then it's just, it's look all night, baby. Yo, and how you put these things together, man. I mean, I, just because I'm a really close friend of yours and I see what happens behind the scenes. X, no matter at what, cost and what moment of when things because things happen you put things together and things go down and x has never ever fell short on that she has always pushed pushed and and, and her word is her word and that's why um thank you she's one of my people in my circle thank you darling that means a lot you're welcome you know i love you started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC 
was leading a secret double life. She's breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Anywho, who will make the potato salad? I mean, one of my favorite, you know, obviously I mentioned that it's made by and only stars Black people and people of color. And um, I'm curious to hear from you. I know my struggles, you know, personally, but on your end, especially in the world of comedy, because that's a world that is uh, foreign for me. Um, Well, it's a world that I'm still getting, you know, used to being. What are some struggles that you think people of color in that specific world of comedy and that we can go into, obviously, the more generic world of entertainment? Um, but what are some of the some of the things that you've seen along your journey being a comedian and a woman, an Afro-Latina? Yes. Well, definitely being a black woman in these spaces is difficult because coming into these spaces, I recognize a lot of uh white people, because they're the ones predominantly there and in power, they hire Black people and people of color who echo whiteness. And I don't at all. 
you know, I uh, I didn't get my first white friend till 2017. I always say that because people laugh and I'm just like, yeah, I just I experienced a lot of racism in elementary school to the point where I was like fighting. And I was in these little private schools. And then my mom found like a dual language arts magnet school that was like, at, like adamant about higher learning and was really difficult and rigorous, but it was just um, Blacks and Mexicans there. And from then I didn't even... I'm not in those spaces where I lived, where I come from. They're not over there. So it just didn't happen. So I think when you are like raw and unfiltered, that's a difficulty because um, to this day, I still code switch. It's a means of survival for me. I'm hoping to one day get to a place where I don't do that. But when I walk into a space and there's predominantly white people, I'm like, oh my God, yes. Hi. So nice to meet you. And oh yeah. And my jokes are filtered to them because I just have experienced so much shit that even when I drop an octave in my voice and I'm talking like this and I'm like, yo, what's up? They either get too comfortable or they get too scared. So they mm-hmm. get too comfortable and they just be like, yes, sister, you know, or they'll just be like, why is that so mean? You know, and I'm just like, fuck, you know. Right. But I'm working to get to. And I think there are like people that I see that I love and inspire me because they don't code switch at all. And I'm praying and hoping to get to that space. I've just I just it's just so much bullshit to deal with. Like, I'm already like a bigger woman. I'm black. I got this hair. Like it's already enough barriers like to entry. I think uh, if you don't echo whiteness, it's an issue. I think that uh, also too, being told that we're not funny. What? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Excuse me. Black and brown people don't need rules to be funny. Um, I think TikTok has shown us that. (laughs) Um, The rise of social media has shown us that. I think white people need skill. They need rules to be funny. We don't. Yeah, enough said with that. Um, and I think it's funny because when we, you and I first met, we both grew up in a very in, in the opposite world. Like for me, where I was, I was raised around predominantly white people, mm-hmm. and and I was taught and conditioned to code switch. Where when I came out of that and I went to school in the city, and I was in these rooms with people that looked like me for the first time. They were like, why are you saying your name, Darylin Castillo? Your name is Darylin Castillo. And even that took like a reprogramming where I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, that's who I am. Why am I walking in this room shedding pieces of myself when at the end of the day, you still ain't going to like me? Right. <laughs> if if right. it's for that reason, for who? For what? Right. So yeah, absolutely. I, I hear you with all that. And um, um, I'm curious about something because I actually don't know about the work, but um, I know that you recorded a piece of work called Princess of South Beach. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about that and what yes. that experience was like for you. Um, Princess of South Beach was really, really exciting because it was the um, first time that I was commissioned to do a project with Latinos. And so that was really exciting because I think that now because everyone's coming into this um, light and um, (laughs) I hate using this word, but wokeness, as you Mm -hmm. will, uh, with the um, fact that there are Black Latinos and we exist and... Surprise! Yeah, I love my character. (laughs) I play a maid that doesn't know how to clean. So that's very fun for me. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure. And but then, you know how to clean. Oh, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I buzz down. Like I have my little concoctions. And once that fabuloso get to boiling, don't you can't fuck with me. Forget um, about it. Yeah. Um, also, Rachel, who is uh, starring in um, uh, West Side Story, she is also playing Snow White. Um, mm-hmm. Her and I have this relationship. In the podcast, it's kind of like this, it, it turns into like this buddy cop type feel. And she is a fucking star. And it was great because I'm an improviser. And from the top on down, they allowed me to play. I would pitch lines to Rachel, like, hey, can we do this thing? Because I really want, you have to listen to it, and I really want you to feel it and visualize it. So it mm. was an amazing, amazing experience, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. I can't wait to hear it. I already know you're going to kill it. I already know it's going to oh, be so, thank so you. good. Especially when you're improvising. That's my favorite. It's like when X tells me about any project she's working on, and she's like, yeah, I mean, they let me play. I was like, okay, that one I want to see. That's yeah. the one. So... Obviously, you are an icon. You are a writer. You are nonstop creating. Um, and so you were a writer for The Daily Show. And um, I cannot let you leave this interview without discussing your iconic Meghan Markle joke because... Yes. <laughs> yes. I just think there is so much in that in this story that... Um, our listeners can take away and um, maybe relate to. But just to get into it, um, it is a joke that went viral on The Daily Show. I want you to kind of give us, um, X, the insight on how this happened, because I think coming from your words is is going to give us the most, just going to make us feel like we're in the room. Yeah, it was, <laughs> um, I actually, there are a lot of writers at the show that contribute to the amazing body of work that you see that is The Daily Show. And so we get split up into teams and work on different stuff. So um, that was a headline that Meghan Markle um, and uh, Harry were leaving the palace. But as a writer, you pitch on everything. You pitch on everybody's shit. So as I was watching Trevor in rehearsal, that joke came to mind. And what I do is, is I kind of like, like soft pitch my jokes just to like to the niggas in the room. So whoever is black around, I'll say it to them because <laughs> I only care if black people laugh. If my people laugh, then I'm funny. Then we're good. Yeah. So I turned to my homeboy, Christian. He's a studio producer. And I was like, nah, nigga. I was like, Meghan Markle looked at Harry and was like, nigga, you need to get a job. And he laughed. And I was like, great. So when we went into rewrite, <laughs> I told it to our producer who was Iranian. He's not black, but he's so fucking funny. And I mean, joke king machine. And so I pitched it to him. He's like, X, that's so, that's so funny. Pitch it to Trevor. And I pitched it to Trevor with my voice shaking because I was like, he going to say nigga. And I don't know. <laughs> you got to say it like this, Trevor. <laughs> like in my head, I'm thinking all these things. Yeah. And he yeah. was like, X, that's so funny. And he kept saying, he was like, oh my God, that's so funny. And like, Mind you, I want to tell you that that was um, a, after a year of me being there. So it took a long, like my jokes were very bad. And that moment that happened <laughs> with Trevor happened one time. And I was there for three years. So I just want everybody to be fucking clear that I was not batting a thousand. Okay. That was one of one. That was the first time and the last time. Thank you. Um, so he was like, oh, it's so funny. And then the fact that it killed on air, like the audience, because that's what really, 
helps me is like having an audience. Um, sometimes someone can be like, man, you are a bitch ass nigga. And the thing is, is like that alone, if you read that, that's not funny, but inflection, right. tone, timing, all of that makes my jokes. Like I, I am not a writer. You right, feel me? Right. So the best jokes that I was able to get on is because I pitched directly to the producer, directly to Trevor. I would say it and they would hear me say it and they'd be like, okay, that's funny. So yeah, so that's how it happened. And um, it got a lot of love on social. And what the craziest thing and my favorite thing is when my people text me and they're like, yo, did you write this Meghan Markle joke? And the fact that three people did that, I was like, wow. I don't tell nobody because I don't like fake praise I want you to really mm-hmm. fuck with it and you could hear my voice, then I was like, wow, we did it, Joe. <laughs> we did it. Yeah. I definitely wasn't one of those three people that texted you. No. But I was laughing my ass off when I saw that joke, but I knew that you were a writer on that show, one of the writers on there. So in my mind, I'm like, yeah, X did that. I'm not surprised people who know you heard your voice because you knew what was going on. I mean, your voice was shaking. You were like, I don't want to get fired. I don't want to overstep or, you know, go into an area that maybe Trevor might get upset or the team or or whoever. How did you get past that fear? And then obviously not only was there fear behind that, but then you were praised for this joke where at the end of the day, yeah, ha 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 ha. Thank you. I'm funny. But like, I was just being myself. Mm hmm. So what was that feeling like when when that fear turned into, I guess I want to know that transition. What was that process like? Yeah, well, I was scared. I mean, up until I left, I was scared. You just, you're scared. It's just like, especially because in a job like that, you really don't get feedback. And then when we're in the panty, well, we still are. But when I was working there in the panty, um, not getting any feedback, the best part of the job, which was being in the room with everybody, being able to pitch jokes off of people, being able to like run in a SARS office and be like, hey, I have a, a premise. I don't really have like a fucking joke yet. Or like asking my, the best office mate ever, Zach Delanzo, my baby, I would be like, yo, Zach, I need like a, I can't, I need to punch this up. You don't have that. So it was really hard. But even when you're in, so when you're in the room, it was really difficult. And at the end of the day, what made me fucking push that joke out was because I had already got a laugh from Christian. So like I already had filtered that. And then the fact that the producer who I know and love, who's the reason why I'm there was like, X, do it. Um, I had support. And then I literally was like, X, they hired you. Um, if they wanted a fucking robot to just spew out shit that they think is funny, they'd hire them. And mm-hmm. ultimately I was like, bitch, you're already here. You've been, and then even then I was like, you've been fired before, you've been broke before, you know how to do it all. So we fire you, fuck, okay. And you've been fired, <laughs> so. So it was just kind of like, I'm going to do it because um, I'm going to take the risk. So I'm going to feel the fear and do it anyway. And I think that's said a lot on social you know, and it might be like overused or whatever, but I think it, it reigns true. Yeah. I, listen, I just want to read it because um, I know that one of the EW execs said this to you because I just think it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I quote, not only do you deserve to be in that room, not only are you extremely talented, but this business will have you feel like you don't belong 
And anybody who makes you feel that way will not be around much longer because things are changing. Wow. Mic drop. Goodbye, yes. everyone. <laughs> she should be my life coach. Yes. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation. I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite. And together, you know how we do. We create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For me, that feeling of like somebody kind of telling me it's okay to be myself when I got Hamilton and you know my journey um, in that format and how it took to lead to be in a room that appreciated you and wants you to win. Like they, we want to hear a joke like that again, or like, we want you to like come in and just 
give me a little bit of your unfiltered self or this or that. How was that hearing that statement? Um, it was what I needed. And I take it with me every day because I mean, even to this point now with doing this new show, I feel I have imposter syndrome. And I mean, I had it the first almost year at The Daily Show. There were times when I would be called into a meeting with Trevor and I physically couldn't move. Hmm. Like I could not move my fucking body. Like I was so like, why are they calling me? Why? What does Trevor need? Who am I? Why the fuck do they need? What? Um, and I'm very happy that I have that because I'd rather have that than ego. <laughs> than think like, yeah, you do fucking need me, bitch. Right. You know, right. like, uh, and I think because I'm so humbled because my, um, it's, it's taken me a while to get to where I'm at. And I'm still grateful because I'm still very young. There are people that... Um, don't reach these level and heights to their mid and late forties. So I'm very grateful, but you know, I'm, I, I'm, um, I'm, I'm so thankful that she said that to me and I take that with me to this day for real. And it, it's true. Yeah, it's true. You are very talented and I'm very blessed to be watching your journey in the seat that I am in. Same, so, same to you. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, I'm, I'm curious X on your, I know some of your ideas personally about things, but just for our listeners, I want them to um, hear from your point of view. How do you think that we can continue um, to overcome these struggles um, that we place on ourselves? Or how do you continue to overcome that fear, that moment of like, where do you, where are you able to put that wall down where you're like, okay, I deserve to be here? Yeah. Well, for me, I, um, I'm a woman of faith. Like I'm a believer. So I pray. Mm -hmm. And then I say to myself to see myself the way God sees me, which is whole, which is Mm. successful, which is at peace. Um, And then I move forward. So um, I know that that's what works for me. I'm definitely... I'm just going to tell you what I do. I I do believe that there's multiple routes to God. Um, And even if you are not a believer, I think that everyone to have some type of spiritual practice. You know, people definitely meditate. Some practice astrology. Um, I also practice stoicism, which is the art of focusing on what you can't control. And I think um, anyone Mm. listening, it would behoove you to get um, what's called the Daily Stoic Journal because they have journal prompts for 365 days out the year. Um, and it's uh, phenomenal information to help you be more grateful, more present, and to just focus on what you can do. So um, that's what I do. I go back to source. And I know that, I think you know, but your your listeners probably don't know, but I've experienced a lot of death. My brother died when I was 16 and I have three cousins who passed away. And my cousins are like my family. We are like very, very close. Like all of my tias and theos are like second sets of parents for us. So it wasn't just like, oh, a cousin passed away. It was like a piece of me died, like a fan, like my brother or sister passed away. So I think because I'm very clear on the concept of time, I know I'm living on borrowed time. I know I don't have a lot of time here. So for that reason, I don't waste it. So I refuse not to go after everything that I fucking want. Can you give us the name of your Instagram? And I know I know we're reaching the end, but I want you to kind of uh, give your audience your little story about what that means for you. Yeah, my Instagram is $80 in a suitcase, $80 in a suitcase. And I touched on my story a little bit when I first got to New York, but when I decided to stay in New York, that's what I had. And um, I think that like we overcome by the power of our testimony. So I wanted to make that my handle because it's a conversation starter. And I hope that um, everyone that I speak to about it, people who come across it, people I get to tell about it, they know that if I can do it, you can do it too. 
And I think that we've all had that moment. That's the name of my production company, $8 in a Suitcase Productions, because although it's a little more than a dollar in a dream, it's it's definitely a representative of going um, all gas, no breaks. I feel like everyone has had that $80 in a suitcase moment where we just look at fear, we abandon it, and we say no more, and we go after the unthinkable. So I think that everyone has had, is in that, or will have that moment. Period. <laughs> that was beautifully said. And uh, follow X on Instagram. She is incredible. She is funny. You're about to see her, like I said, in your TV screens. Mm -hmm. Um, Her new NBC series called American Auto. She is a CEO. She is doing the thing. She's an Afro-Latina. She is my sister. And I love you. I love you you too. Also, please follow Who Made the Potato Salad show on Instagram. We're doing, we're pivoting from live sketch comedy to do virtual workshops. And our last one, we were able to get a fellow Black queen hired as a digital producer at The Daily Show. So um, I'm not saying everyone who comes will ultimately get a job, but that is my goal. And if you come and you show up and you do the work, your gift will make room. So definitely uh, follow us to be on the lookout for more workshops. And people can submit to that uh, from the Instagram page, correct? Yes. It will always be in my bio or Potato Salad's bio. Um, so yeah, you can find that info there for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much, my love. Thank you, Daraline. Hablamos, ya tú sabes. Yes! (laughs) X Mayo really inspires me. X spoke about faith and she has a real connection to her higher power, but she also has faith in herself. When you move to NYC with $80 or start your own sketch show, it's because you believe in yourself and you're a risk taker. So this week, I'm gonna take risks. I'm going to believe in myself even more and silence that doubt in my own head. And I hope you do the same. Nos vemos. Morenita is a production of Sonoro in partnership with iHeartRadio's My Cultura Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.